tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 117. Well, someone has said that marriage is the toughest job you'll ever love. And I've certainly found that true. After all, being willing to lay down our lives for another person isn't easy. Putting their needs before our needs rather than insisting that we be the central focus, well, none of it comes naturally to us as humans. That's why we need the supernatural help of God. In today's podcast, author Jody Burnt and I dive deep into the topic of prayer, especially as it has to do with marriage. And I end up sharing a whole lot more about my own struggle early on in our marriage and about how God healed and changed my heart as I tapped into His power and grace through the power of prayer. Welcome to the Living Room Podcast, Jody. So glad you're here. Oh, Joanna, thank you for having me. And I absolutely love the title, The Living Room. It just sets people at ease and mm. is so inviting. And I just can't wait for our conversation. I know. Even though you're in Virginia and I'm in Montana, we're in our living rooms together. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love your new book, Praying the Scriptures for Your Marriage, Trusting God with Your Most Important Relationships, because that was the topic of my new book, was Trusting God. And I I write about my own journey, but, uh, but you really—God has just developed a whole prayer ministry through your life. And I'd kind of like to maybe get the big picture of that, of, of the books that you've written, but also the journey that God has taken you on in the area of prayer. Wow, Joanna, what a wonderful intro question. And I'm not a super emotional person, but that kind of makes me tear up the way you ask that, that God has developed this. Because you and I were sharing before we started recording, and I told you that I love the verse Colossians 3.23, which says, whatever your hand finds to do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters, not for other people. And I would say I never set out to have a prayer ministry. I never set out to be an author. Um, I just knew and loved the Lord and had four kids in six years and knew I needed a lot of help. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and um, anyway, and I got involved with a group called Moms in Prayer. Some of your listeners may know it. And one of the things that they really encourage you to do is to use scripture, use the words we find in the Bible to kind of animate your prayer life. And for me, um, I'd been a Bible reader and I'd been a prayer, but I'd never really put those two things together. And when I began looking at my Bible, not just as something to read, but as something that I prayed, something that would help shape my desires, my longings, my perspective about things, um, I really felt like my prayer life got on a whole new level, a whole new dimension. And with all these little children, you know, I could ask God to help them talk nice to each other. And certainly, I don't know about you, but in our family, those, you know, how you speak to each other, even when you're just getting in the car to go to soccer practice and somebody's got somebody's foot in their face and somebody's, you know, sitting on the snack. And it, it just was a cacophony of noise in our car sometimes. And um, I wasn't any better. Like my words weren't always sweet and wonderful. 
And I remember during that season of life, reading Ephesians 4, verse 29, which says, um, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up, that it would benefit those who listen yeah. it's talks about according to their needs. And I just thought, wow, that's what I need in our family with my children. And so, uh, you know, that I wouldn't say that was like a, a lightning bolt moment, but that was part of the process of me realizing well, God cares about the details of our lives, our parenting, our jobs, our marriages, and he gives us everything we need in his word and invites us to partner with him, praying the very words and principles that he gives us back to him so that he can do the transformation. And I just mm. saw that happening with our children and then um, continued to pray it as they grew. And now, as you say, jumping into uh, trusting him with our marriage. So long answer to your opening question. Sorry about that. But I no. just question that I did not set out to do it. It sort of just, I fell backwards into it, just being delighted in watching the Lord work through His work. That is so beautiful. I'm kind of, in some ways, the same story. I didn't plan on writing a book, but out of my own walk with the Lord, God just began to say, I want you to share this. And so I love how you've, how you've really um, structured this book because it's almost kind of, I feel like it's really almost devotional in nature in that you could just work through it and almost live through it. And you open with just some instruction and story and everything, but then you ask us to think about our marriage but then you give us prayers. You give us the <laughs> Word of God to actually pray. I want to dive into to your journey in prayer and bringing the Word to prayer because I think, I think you're right. I mean, for me, even like my study of the Word, my Bible reading and my prayer, I had totally kind of made disjointed rather than reading the Word and then talking to the Lord about it. But I love now closing that loop by actually praying the Word back to the Lord. Do you think that praying the word is even more important than praying our needs? Wow. Well, I think the two go hand in hand because this word covers all of our needs. And I certainly think there's nothing wrong with a prayer that just goes, God help. You yeah. know, and, and actually, I, I realize that is a scripture prayer that is praying the word. All through the Psalms, we see David praying that. You're Psalm, right. 70, Psalm 70 is one long cry, cry for help. He's going, Come quickly, Lord, save me, help me. And so when I read that, I thought, Oh boy, I know how David feels. I want God to come and help me. Um, but I love uh, to, to use scripture. Well, first of all, you're right. The book is um, easy. It's a devotional. The chapters are short. They're topically based. So whether you can start it cover to cover, or you can say, you know, I'm really struggling with my in-laws or mm. handling our finances or knowing how to forgive. I don't feel like I can do that. You know, whatever the issue is in your marriage, you can turn to that chapter and read the stories and have the questions for reflection or discussion if you and your husband are open to talking about it together. Yeah. And yes, pray the prayers. Um, but the reason I think those prayers are so important and grounding them in scripture really goes back to, well, it goes back to a couple of verses. We know in Isaiah 55, God says his word does not return empty, mm. but accomplishes the purpose for which it's sent. And I know you know his Hebrews 4.12, that his word is powerful, it's alive, it's active. So we know the word really is a, a power tool. But I think for me, the light bulb turned on when I read Jesus's words in John 15. And John 15 has become really kind of my favorite chapter. I see you nodding. Yes. yes. Um, 
But when he's talking with his disciples, you know, he's about to go to the cross and he could have talked about anything. He could have taught them how to preach a great sermon or heal the sick or, you know, feed 5,000 people on a single lunch. He could have done any of those things. But we see as he really drills down on this invitation, he says, remain in me, you know, abide in me, dwell in me. And he says, and if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you know, in our hearts, in our minds, then he goes, ask, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. And that's not him saying just because you slap a Bible verse on something that God has to do it. It's more he's saying, you know, when you hang with me, when you dwell with me, abide with me, make your home in my love, then the things that you're going to desire and want to pray about are going to be the things that I already want to do, that my father is already doing. Mm. And so I think that's where availing ourselves of the purpose and power that come in scripture really is transformational for our prayer life. So I will never sit here and say, that's the only way you can pray. But I will tell you, based on my own experience and in my admittedly limited theological understanding, I think praying the scripture, using the Bible to animate our prayers really is powerful. Mm, I love that. I love that. Well, it occurs to me, especially when we bring those together. I don't know about you, Jody, but I kind of, I kind of had made God an either or God. You know, it had to be one way or another. I'm finding he's more of a both and. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, you know, because it's, it is remarkable that he continually says, bring your request. Yes. It's almost like he goes, I want. I want to answer your prayers, but in some ways, he's linked his power on earth to our willingness to pray. But for me, sometimes where I get a little shaky in my prayer life and is that I'm, I'm a little worried, am I praying God's will? So when I marry his word with my prayers, even though I might have some, uh, maybe some not so pure intent to my prayers— Oh, gosh. Who who among us has entirely pure motives, right? Right. Right. But you bring the Word with it, and it not only um, brings power to it, but it almost kind of does that soul adjustment that we need. I know when I was struggling with my little ones, you know, and I'm just like, what in the world? Why are they so this and that? And my flesh response wasn't always that great. Right. And I'll never forget when the Lord in my quiet time as a young mama brought me to the scripture where it says, the wrath of man will not accomplish the righteousness of God. And so I was praying about them, but it turned into, oh, oh yeah, because I realized I was actually ping-ponging my anger. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really solving anything. It, it was actually inflaming it. And I honestly found that with my marriage as well. I was sharing before we went on, um, we're about to celebrate our 42nd anniversary. Oh, congratulations. Dad. I know. It's just, I was married at three. <laughs> <laughs> right. 19, but you know. <laughs> but I, you know, I always say we, we had uh, 34 incredibly happy years of marriage, but eight of them, yeah. I was really disappointed, Jody. I was, I'd married this godly man. I mean, he was a pastor. We were going to do great things for Jesus. We loved him. I knew Gian loved Jesus with all his heart, but there were times I, I worried that I was married to a pastor pagan mm-hmm. because he wasn't me. 
because he didn't think like me, because he didn't respond like me, because when God would speak to me, he hadn't necessarily spoken to John the same thing. Imagine that. (laughs) Imagine, imagine. And so um, I'll I'll never forget, you know, just thinking, I I guess we're going to be married singles. Mm -hmm. I'll do my thing. He'll do his. But I didn't see, I, I knew divorce was an option, but I couldn't see a happy marriage. I had prayed, oh God, change that man. And I'll never forget the day when the Lord pretty much hit me over the head with a two by four and said, Joanna, stop praying, Lord, change him and start praying, Lord, change me. And I can tell you now that I am so glad that the Lord brought some clarity to that. And I think, boy, you know, we can pick up this book and go, oh, good a toolkit to change my husband, (laughs) right? But, oh, if we can pray with a different thing in mind where we're actually praying for our marriage and ourselves. Because that was the thing that was so powerful. I kept waiting for him to change, not knowing that as I allowed him, God, to change me, it was going to change my marriage or at least my perception of the marriage. Because the other thing the Lord told me is, Joanna, some of the things you're praying that I'll change about John are some of the things I love the most about him. Oh, wow. Wow. So how do we do this? How do we approach this rather than a, oh, God, get him. Yeah. Oh, Oh, God, fix him. How how do we pray in a way that brings life? And, And we're not actually even... I mean, sometimes I think I was speaking death in my prayers. Mm. I wasn't really speaking life over my marriage or my husband. Yeah. yeah. How do we do that, Jody? I love that speaking life. That's Proverbs 18, verse 21. You know, words kill, words give life. And it goes on, it says it, they're either poison or fruit you choose. And so it is, mm. you know, on us to watching that tongue and, and ter- surrendering that to the Holy Spirit when we can't do it in our own strength. But, you know, Joanna, you are not alone. And I know you have listeners who are saying, oh, my gosh, it's resonating. Lord, fix him. Um, And so many women, I'll tell you, before I did the book, I I threw out the question on social media. I said, if you could ask God to do anything for your marriage, what would it be? And, you know, you can imagine the answers. Uh, People wanted better communication deeper physical, spiritual intimacy. You know, there were folks who were saying, okay, we've got real differences in our faith, all of these things. And I alluded earlier to things like finances and in-laws and even just knowing your purpose, what's marriage all about. Um, But plenty of people reached out and either trying in, you know, humor or not so funny would say DM me or, or even post right there on the Instagram for everybody to see, you know, I just want God to fix my husband, or I want you to write something that will help me get him to do what I want him to do. And these were, (laughs) you know, just honest, honest people out there. And we heard from more women than men. I mean, some men weighed in as well. So we're not off the hook, ladies. But I think that um, that desire to see our spouse... (laughs) new and improved. What, what's the old thing? You know, the men get married and say, boy, I hope she never changes. And the women get married and say, wow, there's potential there. I think I can change them. <laughs> you know? but, but it is true that God uses our marriage, doesn't he, to shape us mm. to be more like him. 
Um, and over and over again, and this was something that I knew before writing the book, but it has come alive to me in fresh and powerful ways through the research and the writing, that God's whole design for marriage, well, it really, it's twofold. One is that we would be fruitful and multiply. And by that, it's not just having children. It's living lives that make a difference, that impact yeah. the world for his kingdom. And we can do that as we are stronger together than we would be. I love your phrase, you know, living as as married singles. You know, when we unite our gifts and our strengths and our talents and complement one another, boy, we really can be people of impact and bear fruit. But the other purpose that I really have come to love and appreciate, it's been awakened in me, is the idea that our marriages reflect the gospel. Yes. And you know, we read in Ephesians 5, and a lot of people read, wives submit to your husbands, and they go, whoa, 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 whoa. And I would say, don't pick up there. That's like jumping into your favorite TV series mid-season. You know, back it up and see what Paul is saying throughout that chapter, and in particular in Ephesians 5, because in verse 2, he says, walk in love, giving yourselves up for one another, even as Christ gave himself up for Mm. you. And then he goes on in verse 16, says, make the most of every opportunity, and don't we have the opportunity in marriage a hundred times a day to give ourselves up, to walk in love, to make the most of that mm. opportunity to put the other person first. And then I love to, he tucks that little verse 16 in there, Ephesians 5, um, 16, I mean, verse 18, sorry. And it says, be filled with the spirit because so yes. often we think, okay, this all sounds great, you know, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ and all that, but I can't do it. You know, even though I might give lip service to it, my heart's not there. And God is saying, you know what? I get that. That's why I give you the Holy mm, Spirit to empower Yes. You. So you have all of this build up. you know, walk in love, make the most of every opportunity, be filled with the Spirit. And then you get to the part about submitting to one another. And honestly, I think as we do that, as we work to put our spouse's needs ahead of our own, and again, we might not be able to always do that in our own strength. But that creates a climate where love can flourish, where fix my spouse takes a back seat to how do I honor my spouse? How yeah. do I serve my spouse? And what's it's so interesting is, as I did the research for the book, it turns out that behavioral psychologists and sociologists have identified this pattern completely absent or apart from scripture where as we are generous in marriage, as we look for the best in our spouse, rather than trying to find fault, you know, as as we adjust that attitude, as we look for ways to honor or serve or meet another person's need, whether it's bringing a cup of coffee in the morning, whether it's going to the movie we don't want to see, you know, or whether it's something really, really a lot bigger than that, um, yielding our rights on something, that creates what they call an upward spiral of generosity, Mm. Not something, you know, that might happen in a week, but over time, as we purpose to do that, and I've seen that in my own marriage, because like you, I started out as a newlywed with a whole set of expectations that were not, Mm. you know, you're thinking I'm married to pagan pastor. I'm thinking, wow, I'm married to a Christian who is just not at all like I thought, not like my dad, not the spiritual, you know. A leader in the way I thought a spiritual leader looked right, like. Right, right. Um, he is a spiritual leader, but it just wasn't checking the boxes that I had on my, you know, my to-do yep. sheet. Um, and it was like those clash of early expectations really played themselves out kind of every day. So I can mm-hmm. say that um, 
sorry to be so long-winded in this answer, but I can just tell you that as I surrendered those things to the Lord, trusting him, and just like you said, he hit you with a two by four, he came alongside me and said, Jody, you know, trust me. Don't trust yeah. your agenda. Don't trust your to-do list. Trust me and see if I can't make Robbie and your marriage better than anything you could have designed if I gave you a blank check. And that was, you know, 35, 36 years ago. We've been married almost 38 now. And I'll tell you what, it's been above and beyond. It's been above and beyond. But that's not because of anything I did. It's not because God fixed Robbie. It's because he took both of us and taught us what it looked like to cherish each other, to surrender. Amen. Oh, I love that so much. I I really, really want to come back to something you said because you nailed it, my friend. We can do none of this without the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Yeah. And and I think so often we we think, well, I'm, you know, there there's a lot of people who are like, oh, I'm submitted, bless God. Well, I'm stuck <laughs> with this man. It's the cross I have to bear. But the thing I love so much about Jesus is that he specializes in changing our hearts. Yes. I mean, I had gotten so disappointed. I had gotten so disillusioned mm-hmm. that my love, my spirit had just closed off. And so then when yeah. God said, uh, pray, change me. I mean, I had to pray, God, I I need a new love. Right. I, I, it yes. had, I mean, Jody, it's so embarrassing because when I look at the man that I married and who he was, he was an amazing man. He wasn't perfect. Now, let me just be honest. I had legitimate frustrations, sure. right? Sure. But I had allowed that to just shut down my heart and my love. And so as God began to heal my marriage, he it, there were times where I'm like, okay, God, you've got to give me a new love because what I have is a dad. Mm-hmm. John would say things like, I love you more than I ever loved you before. And all I could say is thank you. Yeah. I, I couldn't say I love you too. That's mm-hmm. how far it had gone. Yeah. That's how dead I felt inside. But as I again began to pray, Lord, change my heart and asked for the power of the Holy Spirit and began to just even even by faith. I remember this. I don't know why I'm sharing. I think we're we're both going long-winded because there's some things that need to be said that some people really need to hear. Yes, honey, we are in the living room. We are talking it out. So keep going. Absolutely. We think sometimes the prayer is the magic wand. And I do mm-hmm. think that sometimes when we're frustrated too. It's like, well, I prayed. And yeah, it's still the yeah. same. Yeah. And I, I had to realize as I began my my willingness to say, God, change me and stop looking at John and just say, Holy Spirit, search me. Um, it was almost like I had to say, Lord, would you <laughs> this sounds like why I don't I don't even know why I'm going here. I had to even pray, Lord, would you I need to not see what's wrong with him. Those might be legitimate things, but that's the Holy Spirit's work. Because when I was doing, inserting myself between him and the Lord, mm-hmm. he couldn't receive it. It was condemnation. But as I got out of that equation and said, okay, Lord, I'm not, I don't even want discernment to know how to pray for my husband because it, it turns into criticism. But, but the Lord began that. It was a process, probably of a, a year or two of healing. And I remember one day I was talking to this young woman whose husband was incarcerated. And, um, she was just talking about, I, I'm just so, I don't, I, I just don't love him anymore. And I found myself sharing my story. And then all of a sudden I went, wait a minute. 
oh my goodness, something had shifted so much in my heart. And so I just want to encourage you, as you're praying for your marriage, just give God access. Ask Him for that new love. I I had to have a new love because my earthly love didn't cut it. But it was, it, it's just so beautiful, God's power to save and change. And I just want to encourage those of you out there. You know, uh, I, I have a dear friend whose husband isn't a believer. And I've watched her walk that with humility and grace. And, you know, sometimes I think we read verses like, submit yourself to your husbands, mm-hmm. you know, and we're like, but wait a minute, he is so ungodly. How do I do that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. But one of the verses that God has used for her is, is the verse that says, submit yourself to your husbands as unto the Lord. And that really helped me too, because trust was a big issue. I couldn't, I wasn't sure I could trust his decisions. And I, the Lord pointed that out one day, you don't trust me. I'm like, I totally trust you. I just don't trust my husband. He goes, no, no, you don't trust me. That's why you can't submit to your husband, because you don't trust that I'm ultimately your covering and your reward. Right. I'm bigger than that. Right, right. Yes. How do we get there, Jody? How how do we bring that trust piece? Oh, that is such a great question. And I wish I could tell you that I learned to trust God once and for all. And I was able to put a lid on that box and never not trust him again. But I tell you what, whether it's a child, a marriage, a job, a friendship, the trust thing is one of those things that can keep creeping back and keep testing our faith and drawing us you know, into the place where we need to lean more on him. And yeah. I really appreciate you sharing your story and the honesty there because Uh, again, you're not alone. And as I interviewed people for this book, you know, there were people on the brink of a marriage ending for the very reason you're describing, just their hearts had grown cold toward each other. Nobody had had an affair, but the love was gone. And for them, this couple, they had to pray, Lord, change our hearts. And, you know, I don't want to spoiler alert and tell people, but, but not every story in the book ends with a tidy bow. Yeah. Um, one gal I interviewed, her husband never changed. He was unfaithful and just did every possible bad behavior um, someone can do. And she prayed and she prayed and she was faithful and continuing to try to make it work. And it just didn't work. Yeah. And in that case, her trust had to be in the Lord still for her own um relationship with him, her own peace of mind, even mm. when it was not at all what she would have prayed or expected and was out of her control. And she so vulnerably and beautifully shared her story that it was just so convicting to me. But one of the things I took away from all of these folks, and I love that you talk about changing hearts because, you know, Ezekiel tells us, God says, I'm going to take away your heart of stone and give mm. you a heart of flesh. And if you're listening and you are in that hard-hearted place, let that be just your simple prayer of change yeah. my heart, change my husband's heart, because that's a prayer that God delights to answer. Um, but one of the things that I took away from interviewing people, and even in my own life, as I struggled, um, I'll just go on the honest planet and say, you know, to be kind sometimes when I knew I was supposed to be kind, but nothing in me wanted to yeah. treat my husband with kindness, or when I knew I was called to forgive something but nothing in me felt like, you know, the record had been set straight or the tables were even or any of that. And and God's saying, I'm calling you to this. 
I had to learn to pray, not make me willing to be kind or make me willing to forgive or make me willing any of the good things. I had to learn to pray, make me willing to be willing to get there. Because I wasn't even at the place where I was willing to give him my heart. I had to be like, okay, Lord, I know. Or even somebody listening right now might be saying, I'm listening to Jody and Joanna and okay, I'm supposed to give him my heart, but I don't want to, you know, and you just say, okay, I start there. Lord, yeah. make me willing to be willing to surrender to you. Mm. And he, and you know, his, our weakness, I think acts as a magnet for God's grace. Oh, you're so right. I've had to pray that prayer too, because I can know it in my head. Yes. But there's a disconnect in my heart. And so I need, I, I, I say, I need God to heal my wanter, you know? Like, oh, that's a good one. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's, yeah. And, and oh my goodness, that can transpose to every area of our life, can it? Mm-hmm. You know, I really appreciate that you bring up that point about the woman's story who had prayed, done everything that she could, and yet it didn't turn out. Because mm-hmm. I think, honestly, that can be really painful. Like, really? we've we've got the book. We've prayed yeah. the prayers. We've let God deal with our heart. And yet, because mm-hmm. God has given free will, this mm-hmm. man makes his choices. I have a friend. Uh, it's just been an honor to walk with her through a really painful divorce, and she had done everything right. And early on, that was hard. Yeah. I've done yeah. everything. I fought for my marriage in prayer. You know, I they they had had trouble, and there was victory. And now, all of a sudden, she was blindsided by uh, the fact that he'd been having an affair for years. And mm-hmm. he, even though she still continued to be faithful and fight for her marriage, he determined that he didn't want to. And what do I do with that, Jody? What do I do? Well, and that's an area where I think the church and Christian authors, you know, we all need to sort of turn the spotlight on ourselves because I think we preach and publish so many uh, books and resources, and they're good. They're good um, for Christian couples and those who really are wanting to be moved from good to great, to know how to cherish each other. And But there are... (laughs) So many people, I mean, more and more studies are showing that even in the church, people who are there regularly are still struggling. It's a, one study I read said 24%, um, even though we're not going to get divorced, maybe we're wrestling, we're struggling. And then you also have those who are going to get divorced. You know, maybe it's not their choice, but it happens. And so we live in this messed up, broken world. And I think what we have to do is come alongside one another and not just say, oh, didn't work out for you. I guess this book isn't for you. But to say, oh, God mm-hmm. loves you. He's the yeah. God who's He's the God whose understanding has no limit. He will not abandon you. He will not forsake mm-hmm. you. His love for you is in no way diminished by your life circumstances. Because we can beat ourselves up. We can live in a pit of shame. Yeah. We can live in the if onlys and what ifs. And God is saying, you know what? My love for you is so much bigger than that. Romans 8, nothing. Yeah. I love how Romans 8 starts with no condemnation and ends with no separation. And yes. you know, that's the only thing you take away from this podcast to just know, hey, there's no condemnation for you and there's no mm. separation from God's love. Then it doesn't matter where you are in your married life or your parenting journey or anything. God loves you. Ah, oh, that is so 
So powerful. No condemnation, no separation. But in the middle of that chapter is Romans 8, 28. Yes. And we yes. know that God works all things together for good for those who love God. And and I think sometimes in our Americanized Christianity, we've missed the fact that one of the primary things Jesus does is redeem. Mm-hmm. And that means no matter what has touched your life, no matter what you're going through, your own failures or the failures of those uh, that have really affected you, God can redeem it all. And I, that's my favorite thing about him. You know, <laughs> I just love that no matter. And, and I think it comes back to that issue of trust because sometimes we really think that trusting God is trusting God for the outcome that I know we want and need. Yeah. But sometimes it's trusting God when I don't get the outcome that I really believe is his will, that yeah. I know is his best for me and that Trusting that doesn't disqualify me for his best. Right. That Absolutely. even though I've experienced failure, failure of a marriage or failure of, of my own, um, my own morality, mm-hmm. God, if I'll come to him humbly, if I'll just bring the broken pieces like I shared in an earlier podcast interview that, um, I did on my book, I can bring the broken pieces and God can make a beautiful masterpiece out of the mosaic tiles. Yes. Of even those broken things that we bring to him. Amen. Amen. Oh, I, you know, I, I would love to have you pray for those that are listening out there, Jody, because we all come with different brokenness. Yes. We all come with different stories. We all come with different struggles with mm-hmm. hard hearts in different areas. And even though we've been talking about marriage, Jesus wants to come and meet each one. Would you pray as we close? Heavenly Father, we love you so much, mm-hmm. and we love your name as Redeemer. There's nothing we do. No, there's nothing we do that could ruin our lives, our marriage, mm-hmm. our children. Amen. That is your power or your desire to redeem. And so we just come before you right now, thanking you for being our Redeemer, thanking you that it is your desire to live in relationship and in fellowship Mm -hmm. with us. Thank you, God, that you created marriage, that you designed it to be a reflection of the gospel, of the love that you gave yourself up for us, your church, your bride. And so I just pray for everyone listening now, Lord, that you would equip us, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, equip us to stand firm, always giving ourselves fully to your work, knowing that our labor in you, our prayers and our love are not in vain, Father God. And I pray too that our love would increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. That's 1 Thessalonians, I think, uh, chapter 3. Lord, make our love increase and overflow for one another in our marriage and for everyone else, especially, Lord, for those in our circle who may be in their own marriage and and hurting. Maybe they're divorced Mm -hmm. and maybe they're never married and they are longing to be married. Father God, open our hearts to overflow with love toward those in our community who just need to know that you are love, that you love us, Father God. Let us be agents and vehicles of your tender mercy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Don't you love Jody's heart? Oh my goodness, so much grace and wisdom. 
If you're struggling in your marriage today, I I hope you'll get Jody's book and begin to pray strategically for your marriage, for the Lord's help and healing, that you would allow God to do what He did at my life, that you would allow God to change your heart like He did mine, giving you a brand new love that, that really surpasses our own human understanding. You can find links to all of Jody's resources over in the show notes at joannaweaverbooks.com forward slash 117. But you should also be able to find them on your podcast player if you just scroll down the page. Oh, you guys, Jesus came to make all things new, and that includes your marriage. As we begin to pray the truth of Scripture over our relationships, and especially that all-important prayer, Lord, change me. Well, I can tell you from personal experience, there's going to be a shift in your marriage as you allow the Lord to work a shift in you, helping you live and love and lead like Jesus. See you next time, my friend.